Welcome to another episode of the Good Is Dumb podcast. Uh, welcome to 2021. Uh, it's our first episode of the year. Um, we've kind of revamped things and we're going to try uh, things a little differently this year. Um, and we hope that you're going to uh, enjoy it and that it will be a real blessing. Uh, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about um, the state of free speech in Canada, um, the lockdowns in Ontario and the fallout from that. Um, and just generally, um, the state of civil rights in Ontario since the announcement by Doug Ford um, of the stay-at-home order. Um, as always, I'm joined by my lovely uh, co-host and wife, Elle. Um, and, uh, Hi, guys. Yeah, so hopefully you guys will enjoy uh, today's podcast. Uh, let's get to it. yourself you're about to listen to another episode of the good is dumb podcast the sworn enemy of good's dumbness and the podcast for all us dummies who fear god more than they fear men now here are your hosts l and cb Okay, so we're going to start with talking a little bit about um, freedom of speech in Canada. Um, since uh, Ever since January 6th with the Capitol Hill riots, that seems to be all everyone is talking about. Um, mostly in an American context. Um, but I think that it's important uh, in our own context as Canadians to talk about freedom of speech and the state of freedom of speech in Canada. Um, because there's a lot going on there. Um, and while... It's fun to be distracted by the Americans because they like to make things really um, intense and uh, really like to debate things and, and make things a little more interesting than they otherwise should be. Um, there's actually a lot going on in Canada, uh, as I mentioned, and um, so I think we're, we're going to start there. So, so uh, one of the articles that I came across um, in the last little while, um, again, this is our first podcast of the new year, so we're going to kind of cover... Everything up till today's date, uh, the 23rd of January, um, everything that's been happening in the new year. Um, so uh, there's an article here um, from the Post Millennium, Millennial, um, and it's about a Canada Post employee from Regina um, whose name is Ramiro Sepelveda, um, who refused to deliver the anti-Chinese Communist Party newspaper, The Epoch Times. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with the Epoch Times, um, they are a anti-Chinese uh, Communist Party um, newspaper um, that is based in Canada. It's headed by Chinese Canadians. Um, and they're very concerned with the growing authoritarianism and totalitarianism um, of the Communist Party in China um, and how it is starting to... Um, make inroads into Canadian politics and into Canadian um, um, news um, and how they're perceived in Canadian news. Um, so so this, this Canada Post courier decided that um, he wasn't going to um, deliver their newspaper to Canadians, um, and stating that uh, it was due to the paper's anti-Chinese stance 
which can rub people the wrong way. Um, with the the postal worker asserting that people that don't know how to filter information uh, would be especially prone um, to the lies that the newspaper uh, spits out. Um, and he he based this not on actual lies from the newspaper itself, but rather um, he referred to a number of allegations um, that the paper spreads information. So again, it had nothing to do with what the paper actually published. That why that wasn't why he was demanding that he he be allowed to refuse to deliver the mail, or be allowed to, um, or demanding that Canada Post no longer deliver that paper. No, it was based on allegations. Um, That's uh, how misinformation starts. Yeah, well, the, this is this is the thing is that um, uh, Canada Post responded to this, and Canada Post stated. Uh, Canada Post is obligated to deliver any mail that is properly prepared and paid for, unless it is considered non-mailable matter. The courts, which is the Supreme Courts of Canada, have told Canada Post that its role is not to act as a censor of mail or to determine the extent of freedom of expression in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, which seems perfectly reasonable to me. Um, I don't really understand why this gentleman wasn't um, terminated for not doing his job. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and, and it's hilarious that he, he states that, um, he states the reason he can't deliver the paper is because people don't know how to filter information. Um, so is he their parent? <laughs> that's yeah, what so I think is interesting about this. Like he's, he's projecting his views and his thoughts on other people. Yeah. And and I think that I think that this is very dangerous in terms of if if what should happen in a free society is if he felt like the Epoch Times was was spitting lies and and was a racist newspaper against Chinese people, then he should start his own newspaper that actually covers the facts and demonstrates how the Epoch Times is actually spreading misinformation and lies. Um, but it gets even more hilarious because um, the real people who don't know how to filter information are people like him, the left, uh, because uh, the article goes on to point out that the CBC, uh, the wonderful CBC, uh, the government propaganda arm, uh, was previously forced to issue a correction after referring to the paper as racist and inflammatory and falsely stating that the paper concluded that coronavirus was created in a Wuhan lab. So, so in other words, this gentleman, Romero Supulveda, who's showing leftist totalitarian tendencies that state that you can only um, receive information that's approved so that you can be safe the the very agency in Canada that does that the best, the CBC, can't filter out the information and know that this paper isn't racist to the point where they had to be forced to issue a correction. <laughs> I had a loss for words with it. The the uh, yet the the Canada Post Courier doesn't just say. I personally won't deliver the mail. No, he goes on to state, he hopes that Canada Post can create a board 
which would decide what what content should be considered inappropriate for delivery. So not only do we have the government propaganda arm, the CBC, slandering this newspaper, um, trying to silence their their speech, gag their speech. Um, we now have employees at the Canada Post demanding that the Canada Post create a board that will filter out everyone's mail and only allow uh, Canada Post approved mail to be delivered. Don't you want people going through your mail? I do. Yeah, so so, <laughs> so the, the thing is, is that we, what's dangerous about this is not only does this gentleman not want to deliver the Epoch Times and, and wants to personally uh, stifle their freedom of speech. He wants the Canada Post to stifle everyone's freedom of speech mm-hmm. um, because he may disagree with them. Yep. Um, and, and this this is the reason that uh, uh, on this podcast, we are not leftists. Um, leftists are, are, are uh, uh, as we understand them, are people who not just have a socialist or communist framework from which they want to society to work off of, but they demand that you must um, bow down to and cater to and and be subservient to that socialist communist framework. And if you disagree, then they have the right to to uh, deny your your rights enshrined in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And, and that's what's so dangerous about about progressivism, about leftism, whatever you want to call it. That That's really the, the problem with it. It's not very progressive. Right. It's not very loving, even though that's how they love to frame it. Yeah, exactly. They, they always love to frame it as, well, aren't you so much safer now that we've gagged and bound you and prevented you from having your freedom of speech? You're so much safer now. Mm-hmm. Because now we can control your speech. And we can make sure that you're safe. Um, and, and, uh, if, if you don't like the freedom of speech that we've given you, well, then, then we, we just need to make sure that, that you get a little more education, a little more, as they're saying in the States, a little more deprogramming so that we can make sure that you're safe and you're docile and the government can rule over you. Um, so, so, um, to, to prove that this isn't just an isolated incident um, and and to, to fully grasp the state of freedom of speech here in Canada at this moment in time, uh, we need to understand that this leftist progressive idea is not just held by a few isolated wackos out there. Um, but as we learned recently... Um, the Trudeau liberals are moving forward with a plan to, quote-unquote, weed out hate speech and harassment from the internet. Um, and in fact, they will be presenting their plan to cabinet next week, and if approved, the legislation would allow the government to give big tech giants such as Google, Facebook, and Twitter fines for not removing content deemed illegal. So, so here we have this gentleman over in Regina, demanding Canada Post sort through everyone's mail and only allow uh, approved uh, mail containing approved speech to be delivered to Canadians. 
amongst Canadians. But we now have the, the federal government coming in and saying that we are going to fine these big companies for if they do not remove content that the government deems illegal from their servers, from their platforms. And if I'm a company and I'm a big tech company and I'm looking at this, I'm going, I need to stifle any speech that the government may deem illegal as opposed to only speech that is illegal because i don't want to be fined Mm -hmm. i don't want to have to deal with that hassle yeah um uh and in fact this operation by the federal government is going to be so big that quote it would likely involve the creation of a new government regulator um twitter facebook and google and other tech juggernauts acted swiftly um uh, sorry, so so we're gonna have a new bureaucracy that's gonna handle this. That's how that's how intensive and how all encompassing the federal government intends us to be. So, <coughs> excuse me. This move to censor or regulate Canada's internet um, has been vocally supported by Trudeau and by, um, in particular. Um, the Heritage Minister, Stephen Gilbeau, um, who pro- actually proposed similar regulations back in February of 2020. So this has been in the works for a long time. Um, it's just that the federal government is trying to take advantage of the situation now while everyone is distracted by free speech in the United States, that debate that's happening south of our border. And they're trying to take advantage of that and saying, we're going to do something good for Canadians so that What's happening in the states, which is the silencing and gagging of free speech that's not approved by the establishment, the government establishment, we're going to prevent that from happening in Canada, not by doing the opposite and allowing more freedom of speech. No, by building a bureaucracy that will also gag freedom of speech for those that are promoting uh speech that's not approved by the government um so um these new regulations to ban social media posts um uh are will be done on posts that are deemed hurtful or offensive we want to protect canadians online the minister said so so again it's not just going to be posts that are deemed illegal so slander um is the biggest one um posts inciting violence that I can kind of understand because we have laws on the books already that um, that punish people for that kind of speech, um, and the and that those actions such as slander um, and and inciting violence are are already illegal. So so that I kind of understand. What I don't understand is how are they ever going to deem a post based on a uh, objective set of criteria that everyone can adhere to in society, um, how are they going to deem a post hurtful or offensive based on an objective set of facts? The truth is they can't. Mm-mm. It's all about feelings and how... And whoever's, I guess, deemed the most... what The vulnerable group or the minority group or whatever. Right. So, so, so th- the government's coming and saying, we're going to prevent 
what happened on the Capitol Hill. We're going to prevent the Capitol Hill riots by removing speech on these platforms that incites violence. Okay, that, that's a debate that we can have. But they want to open this up to, we can control everyone's posts because as long as we can deem that someone was offended by your post, mm-hmm. we can stifle your freedom of speech and control control you. So our our situation in Canada is just as bad when it comes to freedom of speech or equally bad when it comes to freedom of speech as the United States. Um, yet what's happening is everyone is being distracted by what's going on in the States right now and the government is using that distraction to try and push this bill through that will actually allow them whoever's in power in the government to control the narrative, to control what is said in the public square to such a degree that anyone who dissents and therefore offends the government That's what will really be silenced. Matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's whatever they deem. And, 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 um, all of this comes unbelievably all of this comes at a time when the montreal economic institute um which looked at different countries around the world suggested that there is a direct correlation between high levels of gdp and broad um allowance for freedom of speech in a society and the the montreal economic institute report goes into depth about this and and shows directly that there's a clear correlation between the two um and and so they're arguing that if canadians actually want to be wealthy then embracing a broadening of free speech in canada as opposed to this new bureaucracy that trudeau wants to pass to silence everyone that by embracing broader freedom of speech canadians will actually be better off and more um better off not just um because they have more rights but better off be and and freedom but better off economically because of that which as conservatives as libertarians isn't surprising that when you allow people to do what the heck they want they're going to look out for themselves and they're going to to better their own situation mm-hmm. um so, so we, we have all this going on in Canada, um, remarkably at a time when people around the world, including the uh, president of Germany, including the, the, uh, the leader of Mexico, are coming out and saying that what these platforms are doing and, and what the Biden and the Trudeau administration are doing in silencing people is... is is going to create such chaos and create such um, such such a dark winter, as Biden put it, um, that that they themselves and their countries would never allow this to happen. I mean, it it really is a dark day when North America is deemed by Europe <laughs> and by Latin America to be less free. And less well off because of our government. 
which don't have the corruption like they do in Latin America, don't have the socialism and the communism and the fascism like they do in um, Europe to such an extent. Um, so, so we really are entering what Biden called the dark winter. So, so part of this new dark winter, which, which by the way, can I just say, anyone who thought that 2021 was going to be better than 2020, um, I, I hate to say I told you so, but, uh, unfortunately we can't get refunds for 2021. So here we are. <laughs> um, as, as much as I would love to get my, 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 uh, money back on my free 30 day trial so far of 2021. Um, unfortunately I can't get it back. Um, uh, I would do anything to get no money, uh, to just to end 2021. Um, but that's not going to happen. So, um, Part of the lovely 2021 uh, calendar was uh, Doug Ford announcing on the 12th, the 12th or the 13th, I believe it was the 12th, uh, sorry, on the 14th, that Ontario was entering a stay-at-home order um, emergency situation. So, so we were going to have a second state of emergency declared. And we are now under a stay-at-home order. Um, and, and that prompted, um, on June 15th, uh, Roman Babber, who is the MPP for York, uh, for the York riding, to write a letter to the Premier Doug Ford uh, asking him to uh, end the lockdown. And um, I don't know for those of you who watched the press conference, um, which which everyone rightfully so is saying is was super confusing, um, the press conference at which Doug Ford announced the stay-at-home order. Um, but uh, Doug Ford didn't talk about any of the medical data to justify the stay-at-home order. He didn't talk about any of the specific recommendations made by the health experts. He just said, we must do this. Um, and so Roman Babber wrote a, a, a very thorough letter to Premier Doug Ford um, asking him to not only renounce the stay-at-home order, but end the lockdown based on the medical data. So I'm going to go through Roman Babber's letter because everyone's kind of been talking about it the past couple weeks. Um, it's a really fascinating letter. I highly recommend that you go on Twitter and you go to Roman Babber's page and you, you get a hold of this letter and you read it yourself. Um, because I've always held um, that the vaccine is not what's going to get us out of this mess that we've created um, in which uh, the virus continues to kill people, dozens and dozens of people each day. And yet, while at the same time, our government keeps getting more and more totalitarian mm -hmm. and more and more oppressive, um, Vaccines are not going to be what saves us from this. Um, vaccines may work. Um, I'm highly skeptical myself, um, but mm -hmm. we, we've we've yet to see the full extent of the medical data about that. So so I'm reserving judgment. Um, but vaccines are not going to be what's going to save us from this mess. Um, because even if we end the um, the crisis of the virus 
people are still going to be manipulated by the media and by the government to allow the government to continue its totalitarian um, ways because by threat of the virus. They're going to continue to use the threat of the virus to keep people at home, even when the vaccines are here. That's why they're already talking about like, oh, we have this mutant strain from, from Britain. Oh, that wasn't doing anything? We only had like a dozen people get it? Oh, okay. Well, we now have this mutant strain from Brazil. And these mutant strains may render the vaccine effective. So again, I don't think the vaccine is going to get us out of this uh, mess we've created for ourselves. I think information about the virus itself, the, the actual medical data, and disseminating that amongst the citizenry here in Canada is what is going to save us from this mess we've created. I just, just going on a side point here, I just think it's really sad that, I don't know, I just, just the state here is kind of starting to remind me of Germany with neighbors snitching on each other and just like, oh, and then just blaming it on COVID or whatever it is. It's just, it's really sad to just see um, the fact that we can't spend time with our families. We can't, you know, trust our neighbors. It's just like we're living in like Germany, 1930s, 1940s. It's just like soon they're going to have our own children snitch on us. Like it's just this and people are believing it. And it's like, have we not learned from history? Have we not seen this happen already before? But because it's a virus, it's it's okay. I don't know. I just, it doesn't well, make it, any sense to me. It, it's like that, that lady who, who got fined $880 because she needed to go grocery shopping. And she was being a responsible guardian by leaving her parents in the care of their grandparents her children. Yeah. So, yeah, her, leaving her children in the care of her grandparents. So she was making sure that her her children had the the proper care that they needed, so that she could go grocery shopping and provide for them. And she was fined eight hundred and eighty dollars by the police because a neighbor snitched on her and said she was violating the lockdown orders. And even when the police, if you, if you read the details of that incident, even when the police. Uh, pulled her over they did not specify how she had broken the law they did not say it was because she left her children with her grandparents they did not say it was because she visited her grandparents they did not specify it at all they simply kept saying over and over generically that she had broken the the ontario reopening act so in other words she hasn't broken any part of the act at least according to the police officers who are arresting her, or sorry, fining her, pardon me, fining her, but she's still going to get fined under the act. Um, and, and, and that's not to mention your point of like, why would a neighbor do that to another neighbor? Yeah. Right? It's not like they were having a party and, and, and they, they were, they were uh, doing something that was frivolous. She was trying to provide for her children. And you do that to somebody. Um, and, and the other thing, too, that, that people have been pointing out is like, since when does somebody complaining about somebody result in the police finding you? Like, that's really terrible. Because the police didn't even, uh, didn't even witness her uh, 
with the being in the house, they they pulled her over on the side of the road after she left with her children in the backseat. So it's like you you didn't you weren't even there necessarily to see her children there with her, but but then you pulled her over because somebody complained about her and you you found the vehicle that they were complaining about like i don't know that's just really terrifying to me mm-hmm. um so yeah so so uh, we we hold on this show that that the dissemination of the medical data about the virus is what's going to relieve the fear that people are being fed by the media and by the government about this virus and and that is what is going to enable us as a citizenry to kind of become sane again and start to actually deal with this virus in an effective way while also not throwing the the baby which is our liberty out with the bathwater over a virus mm-hmm. um so so roman babber does a really good job um in this letter to doug ford um in pointing out um the medical data that uh ontarians need to know um, to to start pushing back against these totalitarian lockdowns. So so he he in his in his letter he he lists um, uh, he goes through a list of six different things that that compare the 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 result the negative impact of the lockdowns versus COVID. So so the negative impacts of the lockdowns he goes through six things and I'll just read them here quickly. So. Uh, he, he writes, hot zones like Toronto and Peel have been in lockdown since Thanksgiving without success, but the lockdowns are objectively deadlier than COVID. For example, cancer screenings at Princess Margaret are back to 60% with oncologists fearing a tsunami of cancer. Ontario B, Ontario's overdose rate is trending 50% above normal. The growth in the number of Ontarians who died of overdose in 2020 may be higher than the number of people who died from COVID outside of long-term care centers. C. According to the Canadian Mental Health Association, in September 2020, one in, one in 10 adults reported recently feeling thoughts, having thoughts or feelings of suicide. And amongst Canadians aged 19 to 35, so that's our young people, that, rate is, <laughs> that, that rate is two, 2 out of 10 people. 2 out of 10 people have... have had feelings or thoughts about suicide. Um, D. Sick kids are calling the inc- calling the increase of eating disorders in young people an unprecedented crisis. E. Tens of thousands of businesses have been shut down, and in Ontario alone, it's twenty five thousand. So, so think about the, how many across Canada, but in Ontario alone, it's just been twenty five thousand businesses that have shuttered permanently. Um. And the unemployment rate is nearly double, with 320,000 people uh, not being able to regain work. Um, and we are faced with a ca- catastrophic wave of bankruptcies and foreclosures, which, again, a lot of economists are predicting are going to happen this year. So if you think January is bad, just wait till the rest of 2021. Um, and, and lastly, he points out the government is criminalizing normal human behavior such as that lady that dropped off her kids and putting law-abiding ontarians in legal jeopardy uh public health can't change human behavior um and and i i agree with this you you 
you don't ask, for example, you don't ask a tiger not to eat a baby lamb. The tiger is going to do what the tiger does. Just like us, we're social creatures. We have known this forever. And we need human contact and human interaction. And staring at a screen is not human contact or human interaction. Human contact and human interaction is human contact and human interaction. So so we've known this for, for a long time that, that we need to figure out a way to, to foster the best in humankind and allow humankind to flourish and live victoriously in the presence of this virus. But that's not what the government cares about. The government doesn't care about... Um, our livelihoods, the government doesn't care about our family, the government doesn't care about our health, other than if you die from this virus, supposedly. Yeah, supposedly, because they don't care about if you die any other way. Yeah, exactly. So so, so he points out that those are the imp- six, six major impacts, and there are more, but those are the six major impacts on society that the lockdowns themselves have caused. And, and can I just say something? I'm tired of these people on social media who keep blaming other people for the fact that the lockdowns aren't working. Lockdowns, wherever they have been tried, whether it's Italy, whether it's New York, they don't work. They've never worked. The WHO, the CDC have come out and said they don't work. But we continue to do that. Which, again, begs the question, if they don't work to prevent the virus, then why are we doing them if we're trying to prevent the virus by doing them. In other words, maybe these lockdowns aren't about a virus. Maybe these lockdowns are about government control over people's lives and they want to see how much control they can get over our lives before we actually push back. And so far, especially in Canada, we have not done a good job pushing back because we have not equipped ourselves with the medical data that Roman Babber is pointing out in this letter. So, so... He, he goes on, he says, okay, so those are the six impacts of the lockdown. So what's the impact of COVID? So he writes, COVID is real, but the fear of COVID is exaggerated. Why? Why is it exaggerated? While every death is tragic, he writes, after 10 months, we learned that COVID is not nearly as deadly as first thought. It has a 99.98% infection survival rate. This is according to the CDC. So, so the survival rate for COVID is 99.98%. And it's even higher in people six, 64, and, 64 and younger. And in fact, not only is the survival rate 99.98%, but the infection mortality rate so, so this is talking about people who actually die from it, not just people who get the virus and then they have prolonged symptoms from the virus, which does happen. But th- these are people who actually die from it. Is half that of the common flu amongst people 64 and younger and is equal to that of the common flu for those 65 and older. This is why we've seen in 2020 we had this... We had an equal number of deaths compared to the previous five years 
pre-pandemic. So from 2014 to 2019, we had roughly the same total number of deaths each year as we did in 2020. Because this virus is not as deadly as the media and the government keeps pushing. Again, how do we know this? Because of the medical data. Um, so so uh, another thing that, that Doug Ford kept pushing when he kept saying we need the stay-at-home order, we need the stay-at-home order because of the modeling, because of this, because of that, was we need the stay-at-home order in order to save our medical system because our ICU capacity and our medical system is overwhelmed. So, so Roman Babber directly addresses this and he points out that in December 2019, pre-pandemic, our ICU capacity was at 95%. What was it as of January? So as of this month, it's lower and it's at 87.6%. So the amount of ICU capacity we have available is higher now than it was in December. And yet Doug Ford is out there peddling that we need to save the, the healthcare system by, by locking down. And, and as, as Roman Babber continues in his letter, he points out, there are currently 385 COVID ICU patients. That's less than one patient per Ontario's 492 hospitals. So again, we have less than one patient for every hospital in Ontario that is, that is in the ICU being treated for COVID. And our system is about to break. If that is true, then as I've been saying for a long time, maybe the government-run socialist communist healthcare system that we have in Canada sucks. And maybe the system isn't worth saving because it sucks. So he, he goes on, he goes on because another thing that, that Doug Ford pointed out was we need the stay-at-home order and we need to close schools because we can't take a risk due to the deadly nature of COVID-19 with our children. So, so Roman Babar goes on to, to, to talk about that. So he says, the lockdown, quote, I'm quoting from the letter now, the lockdown is having catastrophic effects on Ontario's children. Constituents tell me that their children de have developed anxiety, and we are scaring our children even though they are 100% safe. The government should also follow sick kids' advice against masking kids at school. The crisis in LTC homes is, is in long-term care homes, so LTC homes are long-term care homes. The crisis is in long-term care homes, again, because people over the age of 65 are the primary people that are vulnerable to this virus and so the crisis is in long-term care homes not in schools <coughs> excuse me and so he goes on and and i want to i want to stop here and talk about the sick kids advice against masking at school so way back when a long long time ago in march one of the first things Ontario did to when we entered the lockdowns was shut down all the schools. Okay, all we had back then was the medical data coming out of China, which were anecdotes um, uh, of journalism pointing out 
the bodies that were being pulled out of these hospitals and being buried in Iranian graves in Iran and being taken out of the hospitals in Italy. These dead bodies. Okay, so so we need to, to pause and we need to have a two-week lockdown in order to prepare for the impact of the virus and in order to prevent the spread of the virus because it was now in our communities. Okay, so so fine. Because again, all we had back then, we didn't have the medical data that we do now. I was on board with that because again, we didn't have the medical data that we have now. So fast forward a little bit to June. We now have medical data. We have three months of medical data and SickKids releases a report on June 17th uh, titled Recommendations for Reopening Schools. In that report, they recommend that when everything is taken into consideration, so that the psychological impact on children, the educational impact on children, the socioeconomic status of different children, the the threat of the virus amongst children um, and in schools, when everything is taken into consideration, they recommended that schools reopen fully in person and that Social distancing should not be promoted amongst children because of the psychological harm it does to them. And that there is no reason for them to wear a mask. Why? Because we know that masks don't work. This is in the report. We know that masks don't work. We know that improper use of masks spreads the virus. And we know that that masking children makes it difficult for them to breathe and has a psychological impact on them that is catastrophic for them so in other words sick kids recommended in this report and again sick kids in toronto is one of the pre prominent hospitals in the entire world when it comes to the health of children and they're recommending reopen schools fully go back to normal do not require kids to wear a mask and do not enforce social distancing based on the medical data. So what did Doug Ford do? Online learning, which has been catastrophic and awful. The quality has been awful and it's just been catastrophic on children, which is why we're seeing extremely high rates of suicide amongst young people. What else did Doug Ford do? Close the schools. Why? Because the unions in our schools demanded that they close. And Doug Ford, instead of standing up for people's civil liberties in Ontario, instead of standing up for our children, instead of educating the populace with the medical data, and, and following the, the recommendations of the health experts, said he was doing that, but actually cowed to the unions. The teachers unions that didn't want people that didn't want to work so so again if you have the medical data that is the way out because the medical data strips you of the fear that the media and the government is pushing on you in order to allow them to strip you of your civil rights so so um so all this information in this letter by Roman Baber is is um, well document is well documented. It's referenced. It, he has the references at the bottom of the letter. 
Um, a lot of this information is actually found on government-based websites, government institutions, healthcare institutions. Um, and so all this information being presented by Robin Babber uh, was, was received by, by Doug Ford, and, and this was Mr. Ford's response. Effective immediately, Mr. Babber will no longer be sitting as a member of the PC caucus and will be, not be permitted to seek re-election as a PC member. So not only will Mr. Babber not be part of the caucus, which, fine, if you want to have a unified caucus, you want to have a unified front at this time, I understand. But to kick him out of the Progressive Conservative Party? That's ridiculous. Um, Mr. Ford went, went on to, to say in his statement, his official statement about, relief, about uh, removing Mr. Babber from the PC caucus, Mr. Babber's comments are irresponsible. By spreading misinformation, he is undermining the tireless efforts of our frontline healthcare workers at this critical time and is putting people at risk. I will not jeopardize a single Ontarian's life by ignoring public health advice. <laughs> That's uh, just laughable. Mr. Ford, the public health advice was that we should reopen the schools and go back to life. So if, if you're if you're not so you're putting every single Ontarian's life in jeopardy because you are ignoring the public health advice, mm -hmm. which is what Mr. Babber pointed out in this letter. And then even better, even, well, as my, my father always taught me, if, if you didn't laugh, you would just cry. So even better, he goes on to say, there is no room for political ideology in our fight against COVID-19. Rather, our response has been and always will be driven by evidence and data. Uh -huh. uh, your That's response, laughable. Mr. Ford, yeah. included no evidence and data, but this letter did. And on top of that, you're stating that political ideology doesn't matter, but then this MPP who, dis who dared to disagree with the government narrative and talk about the medical data can no longer be part of your, your PC party because he doesn't share the, the same political ideology as you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just shows how they're shutting people up. Anyone who goes against them, even in, in politics, it doesn't matter who you are. They're going to shut you up. Yeah, exactly. E even even people who who represent the people of their riding, they don't care about that. Again, again so so this is something that that is a big long discussion. But I'll just point out here. Mm -hmm. We need to understand that when the government, which is pre predominantly dominated by the left, talks about democracy, they can they mention that what they're talking about is everyone's shared understanding of a representative form of government in which the majority has more power than the others in society to make the decisions for society. But that is not actually what they mean. What they mean by democracy is the correct outcomes according to the left coming to pass in society mm -hmm. so so again this is about the correct outcomes which is a totalitarian communist state coming in uh over the medical data yeah because that's they, what they, they mean about looking democracy. at the actual medical data right so 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 they don't the the government doesn't care no. If this guy was democratically elected 
and is speaking on behalf of his constituents. They don't care because what he is saying is not the correct outcome for society. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, I one an, another gentleman who who is now an independent, um, the MPP Randy Hillier for from the Kingston riding, um, who has also been a staunch opponent of COVID nineteen uh, lockdowns. Um, commented on this situation. I found his comments fascinating. So, so he commented and he said, uh, Randy Hillier said, it is so self-evident. It is as clear as an uncloudy day. Our response, response to COVID is far more enduring and far more harmful than the virus itself. Mm-hmm. And all the evidence and the facts are there. The people are not wanting to see the facts. And I would add to that, and the media and the government are deliberately hiding them mm-hmm. and not talking about them but simply claiming to talk about them when they're not. Because mm-hmm. if you if you look at the news, you turn on the TV anytime and you he- listen to them talking about COVID, it's such fear-mongering that they just push down your throat. And they, they just... If I were to just go by the news, I'd be afraid myself. So we as, as Ontarians, as Canadians, we need to wake up and do our own research. Don't just believe what other people tell you. Do your own research. Look it up for yourself. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, and that, that's why I encourage everyone listening to this. Don't just believe what we say. Yeah, go on Twitter and get the actual medical data. Get the actual letter from Roman Babbard. Read it yourself. Before they deem it illegal. Yeah, when... before they, they, <laughs> they remove it from the platform because it's offensive to the government because it's not towing their narrative. Yeah. Like... This is the the dangerous spot we're in, is that instead of talking about any of the medical data that is referenced and and established and actually put out by prominent institutions Mm -hmm. about COVID-19, so instead of talking about what was actually in that letter, the media simply talked about the growing divide between Roman Babar and Doug Ford, which is not the story. If the media actually cared about us, actually cared about getting to the truth for Canadians, the actual story would be the medical data in this letter. Yep. But media isn't doesn't do its job anymore. They don't. It's it's not real. Um, you know they don't do real reporting. They don't do real research. They just whatever the government decides it is they just throw out that narrative to us right and then those of us and then especially for if you think about people who've oh who are older generations i would say older generations than than me i i know that you know they've been able to maybe trust the media in the past and and believe it so you know they have no reason to question it but no you have to because things have changed things are not like they used to be we are entering a new era (laughs) Um, and and we definitely need to back up this information and look it up ourselves you know the internet is right now it's free and it's um you can do research on yourself for yourself but who knows how long that's gonna last Mm -hmm. right Especially when they start scrubbing things and and when big tech and government keep getting cozier and cozier and they start burying things Mm -hmm. on the Google search or eliminating things temporarily as an experiment like they did in Australia, uh, Google did, um, 
from the Google search, well, then all you're going to be left with is the government narrative when you search on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think I think it's just we like you've been saying like we as Canadians, and, and I'm going to use Randy Hillier's quote here, um, because he says I know it's sometimes hard to speak outside of the herd, but that's why we get elected. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be leaders, not followers. Leadership sometimes comes with some bruises. And that is what is... And if we as Canadian citizens don't start talking about this information, don't start uh, disseminating it amongst ourselves, don't start demanding that we act as leaders in our own lives, why should we expect our political leaders to? Yep. Like, we all know that politicians, for the most part, aren't worth the, the breath they're using. But... If we don't have standards in our own lives, such as the truth matters, and and uh, fear will not control me. If we don't have those standards, those limited, minimal standards, how can we expect our politicians, our healthcare system, our media to have those standards as well? Yeah. They serve us, not the other way around. And that's what, what has become increasingly clear to me, is that... We as Canadians have forgotten that a legitimate government is not legitimate because it is the government. It is legitimate because it serves and is based on the will of the people. Mm -hmm. It is based on our voluntary consent to be under their authority. They, their authority derives from us. Their authority does not derive from themselves because they are the government. We as Canadians, we need to wake up. Uh, we need to look at our own politics, not look at our neighbor's politics, which we I think we've been doing way too long. Like, I love the states, you know, God bless America, but we're allowing so many things to happen in our own backyard because we're looking at our neighbors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? We need to stop looking and stop being distracted by what's going on over there and have our politicians be accountable and not let them do all these sneaky things while while we've got our back face towards them like we need to wake up we need to start demanding things from our politicians as a people yeah and and, and I, I think I think even before we go th- there even though that's important I think we need to start educating ourselves. Too long yeah. we've relied on our public education system, which, by the way, is run by the government, and big tech, which, by the way, has shown now, the, the mask is off, that mm-hmm. they care about themselves. They don't care about you. <laughs> um, and we need to start educating ourselves. Like, for example, there was, there was, uh, they were talking about this a lot the past week. There, there's this new, a new poll that came out. That was conducted by Ledger and the Association for Canadian Studies, um, or Leger, as they keep saying. Um, and it, it asked Canadians if they would support curfews to curb COVID spread if it was recommended by healthcare officials. So, so in in given that question, sixty five percent said they would support a nighttime curfew. 23% were opposed to a nighttime curfew. And I don't know who you are or what rock you've been living under 
but 12% didn't know. <laughs> like, hello? <laughs> How can you not know what to do about COVID at this stage in the game, people? And 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 this is what I mean is there's a whole bunch of uneducated people, usually in the range of 10 to 20% that don't know and that's scary. Yeah. Um and yet, at the same time, while 65% would support a nighttime curfew if imposed on them. So, so again, we, we need to understand what a nighttime curfew is. A nighttime curfew means that there's a police state from the time the curfew goes into effect until the next morning when, it, when it, it's no longer in effect. And that keeps happening over and over again. So we want to live in a police state half our day. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that. <laughs> so so while 65% of people want a police state, 41% of people think that implementing a police state, or sorry, I'm sorry, a nighttime curfew, would not even curb COVID-19. So at the same time that we believe that implementing a police state would not do anything, we would welcome a police state. Hello. Backwards thinking is that. Hello. 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 <laughs> Anyone home? Yeah. Like, I'm Canadian. I have my views on the states. Go states. But this has been my frustration with Canadians is unlike in the states, we don't like to think for ourselves. We like the government to take care of all our problems. But the problem with that is the government doesn't care about fixing your problems. The government cares about their power. And so as long as we keep giving the government more and more power to fix our problems, they're just going to continue to take that power while not fixing our problems. Hence why Doug Ford was considering a curfew, even though 41% of us and the medical data and the health experts all know that a curfew won't work. And not only do we know from the medical data it won't work, we know where it's been implemented that it doesn't work. And yet we would all happily go along with it because the gov- it looks like the government is fixing our problems. When really the government is just claiming more power. And Canadians need to start waking up and thinking for themselves and educating themselves. And and really understanding the, the liberal values that our Western society was founded on. Um, so... so So for those of us who who are trying to stand up, who are trying to speak out, who are trying to educate our fellow citizens, who are protesting the government, we're now being silenced. And we're going to be silenced on social media, as we talked about earlier in this podcast. And we're going to be silenced at the government buildings at town hall in the streets we're not going to be allowed to protest and you know why i know this because 
Doug Ford, for the past going on 12 months now, probably 10 months now, has been saying, come on down. We welcome protests. It's everyone's right to protest. Everyone has a right to be heard because we live in a free society. Until now. And the reason I say until now is because an essential exercise march was held by anti-lockdown protesters. And unlike previous weeks, they were greeted by a heavy police presence at Young and Dundas Square. And police can be seen on multiple videos that are now circulating online. So I would, I would highly urge you to go check those out. Uh, placing the protesters under arrest. Um, protesters stressed their right to protest, but the police responded by arresting one, while other protesters urged everyone to not group together and not engage with the police. So while protests were protesting and trying to social distance, so trying to follow the government guidelines, and they were outside where social distancing and wearing masks isn't required, the police were arresting people. Because, again... Anyone who stands up against this narrative being pushed by the government that we must live in a totalitarian society in order to fix the virus is going to be silenced. And the, the, even when the demonstration was winding down with crowds of protesters singing O Canada and then chanting, we are essential, referring to the arbitrary distinction between essential workers who are allowed to work versus non-essential workers who have been barred from working or operating their business during the lockdown, Tensions flared back up shortly afterward as more scuffles with police occurred and more arrests of protesters were made in the square. So even as we were, even as these people were winding down and they were going to go, no, that wasn't good enough. The police had to get up in everyone's face and start arresting people because they hold a different narrative based on the medical data than the government's narrative based on nothing and and this is really this is really dangerous because it it clearly shows that if you agree with the government narrative you belong to one class of citizen and if you disagree with the government narrative you belong to another Um, and, 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 and this is highlighted no better than this other story that I came across that talks about uh, inspectors find one third of big box stores violating COVID rules in GTA and Hamilton. So Ontario safety inspectors performed an inspection blitz across the greater Toronto area in Hamilton on Saturday, finding nearly one third of all stores in violation of pandemic safety rules. Despite these violations, so inspectors visited over 110 stores, finding 31 of them to be in violation of health protocols. But despite these violations, only 11 warnings and 11 tickets were issued over health violations, with five locations being fined. The rest of the locations appear to have gotten off scot-free. The government ultimately inspected 240 stores across the province, with 75 found found to be in violation of the pandemic rules. So you have these big box stores, this one class of citizen, who has been pushing this narrative, following the narrative, uh, advertising the narrative in the, in, uh, on television and radio that we need to social distance, we need to wear masks, we need to have all our civil rights stripped from us in order to fix this virus. 
Yet, small businesses who complied with the coronavirus rules are being shut down because they're big because they're too small. In fact, over 25,000 private businesses in ter- Ontario have permanently closed. They don't care about Ontario. They don't care about their livelihood. Right. And 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 again, this goes back to what we were saying earlier is this all happened right after that press conference where Doug Ford says I'm going to be like an angry 800 pound gorilla on the backs of these big box stores if they violate covid rules they violate covid rules nothing happens why because they're in bed with the government the government is getting power from them and over ontarians because again the government doesn't care about your problems the government cares about its power mm-hmm. and that is why it is essential we have limited government mm-hmm. power money greed that's all they care about they don't care about the people right because the people of ontario they do not care they it, could give a rat's ass about us especially when you consider that if you've put twenty five thousand businesses small business owners private citizens who out of business your only tax base left is big corporations Mm-hmm. So, of course, you're not going to go after them or punish them in any way. Mm-hmm. You need their money because you need your power. I think that's a lot of people that have lost their job. That's more than 25,000. Just like what? Yeah, that, that's not to... just, let's say let's say they were all sole proprietorships. It's 25,000 business owners alone. But that's not even considering their families, mm-hmm. their employees mm-hmm. that are impacted by this, the employees' families that are impacted by the loss of their job. Like, and... Again, nobody cares. In fact, you have people on social media. You even have Doug Ford coming out and saying, you who are violating the lockdowns, don't, it's because you don't love your family. It's because you don't love your grandma enough to follow the government narrative and the government lockdowns. And I'm sorry, but every Ontarian should take offense like real actual offense to that statement yeah that i don't love my family because i would rather follow the medical data and now we're seeing the historical data about lockdowns and provide for my family and take care of my family and do what's best for my family then follow the government narrative and live in a totalitarian state and it's gotten so bad that, that as I mentioned, it's not just Doug Ford and politicians and media figures on social media saying this to one another. It is actual citizens saying it to actual citizens. It's because they believe the lies, though. Like it, it's... Because there's, there's, they have so much fear. Yeah. Um, so, I know that this got kind of intense. <laughs> uh, so, we're going to end on a kind of a funny note. Um... So, uh, one of the things that, that was debated about uh, this past 10 months or so was whether the government was going to implement vaccine passports. And while we don't know the answer to that in Ontario yet, because they've said yes and they haven't retracted that statement, they've left it alone, but they haven't retracted it yet. Um, but at, 
at least for now, it seems that we won't get vac- vaccine passports for Canadians. So, so Prime Minister Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, was saying his government has no plans to implement vaccine passports. Quote, I think it's inter- an interesting idea, but I think it's also fraught with challenges. We are certainly encouraging and motivating people to get vaccinated as quickly as possible, but we also know there are people who won't get vac- vaccinated and not necessarily through a personal or political choice. So again, the reason he won't implement vaccine passports and officially create a a second-class citizenry if you don't get the vaccine is not because that would strip you of your constitutionally guaranteed rights because you refuse to get it because of a political or personal choice. So again, it's not because you have the right in a free society to dissent from the government narrative. That's not why he's not going to do it. No, he's not going to do it because there are people who might have medical medical issues that will prevent them from getting the vaccine that will support him. So, again, we're just lucky as Canadians, I guess, that we have a government that's so benevolent to us that while they would like to crush our, our dissent and our right to dissent, they're so loving that because there are sick people that might not get the vaccines that support them, they're not going to crush us yet. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, I know this this podcast got a little intense. Um, we're going to do a new segment now called Good News, Bad News. Um, so we're going to end off with this. Um, I don't know. It's up to my lovely wife, Elle, here, whether... Uh, we're going to end with the bad news or end with the good news. <laughs> but I'm thinking since we're on a roll with bad news right now, uh, maybe we could roll into the bad news and then get to the good news. But uh, yeah, so good news, bad news. Alrighty. Good news, bad news. So breaking. Ford announces first new Ontario hospital to be built in over 30 years. $125 million invested for COVID hotspots. So Premier Doug Ford announced that the provinces will open Ontario's First newly built hospital in over 30 years. Wow. The Corticelli uh, Vaughn Hospital will open on February 7th to treat COVID-19 patients, opening up an additional 185 care beds, with 35 of them for critical care. Quote, Ford said, with many of our hospitals, ICUs approaching full capacity or beyond, this new hospital is relief. It's added capacity for all those heroes who are stretched to the limit right now. This hospital will take, so um, he also did say, this hospital will take in critical care patients from surrounding hospitals to help ease the capacity pressures around COVID-19. Ford also announced an investment of $125 million for new beds in Toronto, Windsor, Durham, Kingston, and Ottawa. An additional, in addition to the 3,100 beds added in the initial COVID-19 response. So, it's good that we're getting another hospital. Hospitals are always good. Um, Although we should point out that the hospital has been in construction since 2011, which is oh, yeah. a whole decade That's before like... uh, yeah, the pandemic that? got here. Mm-hmm. So, it's good news for Canadians but 
It's more just good fortune for Doug Ford, not because he actually <laughs> has anything they do. Yeah, he didn't. Um, so bad news, I guess. I mean, just in case for... you couldn't tell that we're not part of Ford Nation. Yeah, no, we definitely are not. Um, for those of you who uh, want the vaccines, I suppose this is bad news for you. Uh, Pfizer reducing <laughs> vaccine shipments to Canada amid production issues. The procurement minister, Anita Anad, announced on Friday that Canadian uh, procurements of Pfizer coronavirus vaccine will be reduced as the company faces production issues. This is from CP24. The company is reducing shipments outside of the United States as the European facilities face production problems. Anad said this is unfortunate. However, such delays... Delays and issues are to be expected when global supply chains are stretched well beyond their limits. Why don't we produce our own vaccines here? Why do we have to rely on other countries? Sorry, just saying that. And that also said that while... Because the- then we would live in a capitalist society. That was free. <laughs> independent (laughs) right and that also said that while the delays slow the procurement of the vaccine it will not grind the process to a complete halt and canada will still receive smaller shipments of vaccine dosages canada was supposed to have procured four million doses of the vaccine by the end of april according to anad such procurement is still possible but not guaranteed so just a little uh i guess Side note, coronavirus has infected over 700,000 Canadians since the beginning of the pandemic and has taken the lives of more than 17,000 people. And yet our wonderful benevolent government is doing nothing about ensuring we have the vaccine. Yep. Well, our government's slow to act with everything. Uh, Again, if you want to follow us or send us comments or questions that maybe we'll answer on the show um uh or just you know get involved and get informed uh you can you can go to good is dumb podcast we're on twitter uh we were on parlor we hope to get back up and running once parlor's back up and running uh so twitter facebook um those are our two main ones right now mm-hmm. um but again we hope to be back on parlor soon so and pass uh, us along like don't be afraid to share us to other people like i know we're just starting we've only had two shows but you know like we do Plan on doing this more regularly, guys. Like this is, a, we're hoping for it to be like a biweekly thing. Yeah, we're we're hoping it'll be a weekly or a biweekly thing. Um, again, keep in mind we do, we do have two very young children, so they keep us really busy. Yeah. Um, like but but <laughs> we we do want to make the show a priority, and and we do want to make it weekly or biweekly. Um, yeah. and bring that unique Canadian perspective to Canadian politics that is mm-hmm. too often lacking because conservatives are either too enamored with the states to talk about Canada, even though they are Canadian, or um, there's just not a voice just, on, a, there's on just our not, side. Yeah, on this side of politics. Yeah, or the, or there's just they just there's just no conservative people in Canada. No, there are there there are people. Yeah, I know you're out there. <laughs> you will be listening. <laughs> You've been listening to the Good Is Dumb podcast. Check out more of the show on demand at anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castbox, Pocket Casts, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever podcasts are found.
Also connect with and follow LNCB on Facebook, Parlor, and Twitter, at Good Is Dumb Podcast.